Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to the Cannabis Minority Report powered by the National Cannabis Industry Association, also known as the NCIA, one of the largest trade associations in the cannabis industry to date. I am your host, Khadija Adams, founder of Girl Get That Money and the Green Street Academy, here for our weekly check-in and interviews with minority-owned companies in the space, companies that support social equity and social equity applicants themselves, as well as cannabis industry leaders and pioneers. This episode of the Cannabis Minority Report is sponsored by the Green Street Academy, an online educational platform that teaches you the basics of investing in cannabis stocks. Joining me today is my co-host, Ms. Alexis Olive of I Love You Media, and our very special guests, Corey Dishman and Charles Penn of the library, formerly known as the Bud Library. So, but before we get to our guests and before we dive right into conversation, let's check out the latest news and happenings in the cannabis industry today. Well, guess what? In Connecticut, um, the Connecticut Senate approves marijuana legalization bill um, days before the session ends. Um, and early Tuesday morning, they actually passed the bill to legalize marijuana sending the proposal to the House for final um, approval with just days left in legislative um, session. Now, the House leaders say that they plan to take up legislation in that chamber before Wednesday's end of session deadline, but after first tackling the state budget. Okay, so we understand all that, right? But guess what? The bill is the product of weeks of negotiations between the legislative leaders and Governor Ned Lamont's um, office actually finalized language, which was actually introduced only on Saturday, giving lawmakers little time to review roughly 300 page, um, a 300 page proposal. But doing a marathon for a debate that stretched into the early hours of Tuesday morning, the Senate passed the bill in the 19 to seven vote. And I quote, we have seen what has been wrought by having a war on drugs, Senator Gary Winfield, a Democrat, said on the floor before the vote. Whole communities have been disseminated, and or some, I'm sorry, decimated. And some people will, will say, well, there are not a lot of people in our state in jail for cannabis today, but there are vestigial ways in which communities are still impacted by what we were doing. And he is absolutely right. I am 100% um, in favor of what he's saying there. And so we're gonna be keeping an eye on Connecticut and how this law actually helps, especially as it relates to social equity and see what they have in store in the future. And then next, there's a public bank that has a proposal that could fund New Jersey cannabis entrepreneurs. So listen up, if you are from New Jersey and you are a cannabis entrepreneur, Often, you know, you guys often have difficulties thriving in the industry due to the lack of capital. Well, a public bank um, could change all of that. So campaign organizer Brandon Castro of the New Jersey Work Environment Council, or the WEC, is organizing support for a state bank which could help New Jersey cannabis entrepreneurs um, and also, um, the WEC is a progressive alliance of 70 organizations um, that, that are advocating for safe, secure jobs in a healthy, sustainable environment. 
Now, public or plant-touching entrepreneurs that lack access to banks due to cannabis remaining a federally illegal drug, many of these entrepreneurs would have a hard time getting a loan from a traditional bank, even if, were, even if it were legalized due to their lack of assets. Now, I'll quote this from Castro. He basically says that public banking is a sustainable, democratic way to manage our funds. But the public, the public bank could loan money and, and actually charge a lower interest rate to New Jersey cannabis entrepreneurs than a private bank. So you guys, we're gonna have to keep an eye on that. Besides today, we're gonna be interviewing some New Jersey entrepreneurs and we're gonna see if that's actually the case and what their take is on that. And next we have Oklahoma governor who signs new law making several changes to the marijuana, um, medical marijuana industry. The passing of Senate Bill 1033 makes several changes in the medical marijuana industry and was signed into law by the governor. According to Representative Scott um, Fettgatter, um, this bill grandfathers in existing businesses as it pertains to the thousand foot school rule where the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority or municipalities had, had once made an error. Now the bill also lets um, businesses transfer licenses if there is a change in ownership. Alexis, over to you. Thank you. So Bronx DA dismisses 6,000 misdemeanor cannabis cases. As we know, New York legalized cannabis earlier this year, uh, but last Thursday, two months after legislation, Bronx District Attorney Darcel Clark moved to dismiss cannabis cases, both past and pending, um, where the primary charge was possession or sale, acknowledging the negative effects that these cases have on employment, housing, and education. Judge George Grasso agreed he said that cannabis prohibition has resulted in devastating collateral consequences, including mass incarceration and other complex generational trauma that inhibit otherwise law-abiding citizens from job or education for, uh, opportunities and services. Um, so district attorneys on Staten Island and in Queens have indicated intentions to take similar actions. So that is great news. So thousands of cases are being dropped, thank goodness. Uh, Chanel Lindsay, founder of Ardent, was featured on NBC News, highlighting her efforts to normalize cannabis. Um, the story highlights her history of medical cannabis consumption, being prosecuted for possession at one point, and um, that was threatening her career in law. Um, all of these experiences and her experience as a can mom um, helped her create the, the country's first all-in-one cannabis cooker. Um, an appliance that's de uh, designed to activate and prepare cannabis for baking, melting, and infusing makes it really easy. Um, so this makes Chanel one of the few Black women to lead a company in this multi-billion dollar cannabis industry, um, as only 4% of cannabis business owners are Black. So she does talk about going into the challenges of raising capital and having to be scrappy as an entrepreneur. Uh, despite that, her company became profitable in just year two. So, wow, amazing. Um, but seeing the industry, you know, from both sides, from the money-making side and the um, criminalized side, she wants it to be clear that this is a great money-making opportunity. However, it's vital that these laws are implementing, um, making sure that, that there's efforts to create a pathway for those that have been in the illicit market, but now can be in the real market. Um, so good job, Chanel. And she also co-founded Equitable Opportunities Now nonprofit organization to push equitable 
applications of laws and existing uh, and new ones too. Um, so lastly, Jay-Z invests in a private exclusively for BIPOC women of color and allies. Um, uh, sorry, a private cannabis club. Super cool. That's going to be in Los Angeles. Uh, it's, a, it's a cannabis speakeasy called Josephine and Billy's. It's going to be the first, con the country's first black woman-owned cannabis venture of this nature. Um, so TPCO, the parent company in which Jay-Z sits as the chief visionary officer, um, he was, they were the first investors in Josephine and Billy's and founders Whitney Beattie and Ebony Anderson, both mothers and entrepreneurs are set to open this establishment this year. Um, and they're excited to provide a space to honor those that have been adversely affected by the prohibition of cannabis and give the community a place to heal and to learn. Uh, their passion and excitement for equity and uh, the health of women of color was what attracted the parent company to invest in this movement. Um, BD shared with Forbes, research shows anxiety is chronic and more intense for Black women, yet we aren't talking nearly enough about the plant medicine as an option for relief for our families. Um, so Josephine and Betty's hopes to start those conversations. So super excited. I like that. Yeah, I really like that. So I know um, Whitney, Whitney Beatty and also Chanel from way back when they actually first came into the industry, which is really um, incredible to see their right. progress over time. So thank you for highlighting them. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not surprised you know them, Deja. But <laughs> coming up next, we're going to meet our special guests. we got Corey Dishman and Charles Penn, founders of the library, as Khadija said, formerly known as the Bud Library. And uh, we're going to learn more about them, their cannabis story, and we're going to get perspectives on social equity programs there in New Jersey, or perhaps the lack thereof. And we'll learn about their experiences raising capital and finding the resources needed to be successful in this in, in this thriving industry. So right back after these messages. We need to make sure that we get minorities and African-Americans, people that have been affected by the war on drugs, indigenous people, brown and black people holistically needs to be a part of this conversation. With the help of NCIA and being an Evergreen member, we believe that we can push this agenda forward. Cannabis business owners, entrepreneurs that really see the bigger picture to say, let's push this agenda forward. We can't do this without you. We need to make sure that our voices are heard. We are back with the COO of the library, Mr. Corey Dishman, a resident of West Orange, New Jersey. He graduated magna cum laude after putting himself through school and holds a BA from Seton Hall University in sociology, along with a, an upcoming master's in education. Uh, joining him is his partner, CEO of the library, Mr. Charles Penn, former resident of Essex County, New Jersey. Charles has his associate's degree in audio engineering and is completing a BA in sociology at uh, Rucker, Rutgers University. Uh, today, these two gentlemen founded the library, formerly known as the Bud Library. Super fun name. Uh, we want to welcome you guys to the Cannabis Minority Podcast. It's always good to, to see you guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Would Absolutely. You mind, Thank you for having us on. Uh, would you guys mind giving our audience just a little bit of information about yourselves and what led you into the cannabis industry? Uh, you can go first, uh, Corey. Um, I, uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, 
I've always been somewhat of an entrepreneur, even with a day job. I always, you know, hustled and bustled. Um, I have three children. Um, so it's always, and I've always been a connoisseur of marijuana. Dating back, and I probably shouldn't say this because I don't encourage, um, you know, the, the youth to partake. I, I definitely encourage responsible cannabis use, but I was very young when I started. Um, and I quickly realized that it, it wasn't what, um, you know, what I, I had envisioned or I anticipated. Um, and it just was something that stuck with me. Um, I had some bad run-ins, um, some legal issues uh, as a result of possession on two, um, on two separate occasions. And I would say back around 2012, 2013 is when I started to have this vision of, you know, maybe I can relocate and open up a dispensary somewhere. Um, but like I said, I was a parent of three. Uh, relocating just wasn't a feasible option for me at the time. So um, I kind of like stayed back and um, it led me into a world of entertainment. And um, I got into filmmaking and I guess that's where Charles' story would, would kind of begin to intertwine with mine. So I'll allow him to, to discuss his side and then we can come back together to discuss how we came together. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, uh, my story is, is kind of similar to Corey's in terms of uh, having an early uh, exposure to cannabis. Uh, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Around 2013, I went to California and uh, I got exposed to the market out there. And it uh, showed me, uh, I guess, a more in-depth view of, of what the cannabis industry is or what cannabis was in general. Like, you know, especially because here it was it was still uh, illegal at the time. So, so going out there and experiencing the dispensary uh, the options, you know, understanding um, indicas, sativas, and hybrids, you know, it kind of just expanded my mind and made me want to explore even further into cannabis and understand more about it. Before that, it was more recreational, but after that experience, I, I kind of became a connoisseur of it. And it, uh, you know, it was always a part of my journey. And like Corey said, you know, uh, we, we linked up on a, a multimedia kind of uh, experience dealing with uh, music and, and uh, video. And video editing. Um, but after our time together, uh, I knew that I wanted to work with him, you know, for whatever. And we, we've had several business ventures uh, leading us up to this point. But um, when cannabis became legal in New Jersey, I remember, I, uh, or even the possibility of it becoming legal, I, I sent him a text like, let's, let's open a dispensary, you know, and uh, he kind of just sat on it for a while. And he came back, he was like, oh, all right, let's do it. You know, so I guess that that begins our, our journey into the industry side of it. You know, prior to that, it was more just a consumer. But I said, you know, I never want to just be a consumer. You know, I want to capitalize on the other end and then opening up a dispensary to seem like the, the logical step to take truthfully. Absolutely. And that was, I mean, that's the dispensary side of it is one thing. We also um, want to promote the brand and, and have our mm -hmm. own strains as well and merch and a lot of other things, but we've we've um we've accumulated some factors that are going to help us in this. We have a network of social media influencers, um, celebrities that are going to help push this thing. That'll be walking through the library on Instagram Live and and doing all the uh, promotion and marketing for us a lot of times, especially with regard to the internet. So um, we have a lot of things coming together that we just accumulated through the other uh, avenues that we were pursuing and. and they, they were transferable, you know, and, and now, like you said, Charles is continuing his education. I'm actually entering a doctorate program for education. 
And we just try to take things to another notch, man. Nice. Yeah, I love how you used your your past um, experiences and jobs to all, you know, bring it to the cannabis industry now. And like you said, you have to be very hands-on as an entrepreneur, especially at first, you know, handling the way your brand image comes across. But I can tell already you guys are just very passionate about this and um i'm excited to to see that um Absolutely. So this is the cannabis minority report and what we talk a lot about is social equity um what does social equity mean to you because a lot of people you know there's some blurry definitions out there yeah um i guess to start it off um my overall understanding or, or i guess what it means to me is just being able to access uh the, the services or, or goods of any institution, whether private or public. And, you know, when it comes to uh, this, the cannabis industry, I guess what it means to me or my understanding of it in, in terms of this industry would be uh, uh, giving people the equal access or the fair access to initiate their journey into the cannabis industry. You know, because one thing that I know a lot of my friends uh, may feel, whether they say it or not, I could just tell, you know, uh, because when I first said, oh, man, I want to open up a dispensary, you know, people look at you like, how the hell are you going to do that? You know, it's just it's one of those questions where right. they, they assume that it's just so astronomical uh, because, you know, you don't know anybody who's done it. And the industry is dominated by a particular group, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I'm not here to, to, to throw dirt on anybody. But um, for that reason, people feel as though it's something that's unattainable, you know. So, so I guess uh, uh, social equity in that standpoint would just be people feeling like they can take that first step, that there are services and institutions and places they can go to gain this information so that they can become an entrepreneur. You know, I feel like if you want to open up a bodega, you know, nobody's really apprehensive or nervous about that. They don't see that as something that's astronomical because they feel like they'll be able to find, you know, the right supply chain, uh, people to help them invest. But when it comes to this, it just seems like, you know, you're, uh, you're shooting for the stars, but I, but that's the thing that, that attracted me to it because it seems so unattainable that I was just like, I got to do it. You know, yeah, but, you're an adopter. Um, well, what, when you were talking about moving to California and getting exposed to the legal industry there, and that just like opened your eyes so much, but the fact that you had to move and experience that, um, mm -hmm. to see that it is possible versus People have to, if they want to move, like Corey was mentioning, having to move somewhere if he wanted to get in on the industry earlier on. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of money and, and resources to be able to relocate. Um, but then you, your whole perspective has changed once you see how people are just are handling it so differently versus in a state where it's prohibited and they're just, you know, touching it with so much fear and they don't even understand to look further into it. Versus mm -hmm. just like, I just got to make sure I don't go to jail by having my medicine. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Corey, what oh, about definitely. you? I mean, I agree 100% with Charles. Um, he kind of took some of my answer, but um, I think of fairness. I think of justice. Um, I think of how we as minority business owners have to promote social justice and we have to get involved. You know, it's not as easy as just hide behind the profits and and the revenue and, and just collect people's money and not become a pillar in the community or the state or in the movement itself. You know, um, I, like I said, I was a victim of circumstances. I was a victim of um, possession of marijuana charges in, in states where it shouldn't have even been upheld. But, you know, now we are what we are. 
Um, I do not believe that there's a one-size-fits-all approach to anything. I think we have to meet people where they are. Obviously, we are all not fortunate enough to have the same resources, opportunities, um, even relationships, you know. So with that being said, equity for me is just giving people a chance um, to actually meet them where they are and allow them to be able to do what they dream of doing or what they work hard at doing. Absolutely, giving them access to, to that capital too, right? Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, and real, real quick, what is your, I mean, you guys kind of touched on it already, but what's your number one reason um, that's fueling your passion to, to move this industry forward? Uh, well, I guess my, my main reason for even getting into this, um, I like to be, uh, the, the director of my own destiny or the or the the steerer of my own ship. So, you know, um, this is something that that Corey and I, we have uh, a history with the the product, cannabis, you know what I mean? Um, taboo or not, however you want to look at it. Uh, but we also have a drive to accomplish our goals and achieve our goals. So I guess the number one thing that pushes us is just the accomplishment uh, of becoming successful in something that we're passionate about recreationally, you know, and to be able to make money off of that. But the one thing I guess, um, the one thing I want to do uh, for the industry or for cannabis in general, I was talking to Corey about this uh, earlier today, is just I want to make it uh, mature and mainstream. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's still a taboo attached to cannabis. And then, you know, it's still like an alternative thing, you know. So whenever it's displayed in, in pop culture, it's always like some shaggy guy you know who's the friend of the successful person but he has this alternative lifestyle you know and i want to do that and uh and what i mean by mature and mainstream uh to give an example like in movies whenever they finish a business deal uh they break out like a bottle of brandy or something you know and they pour a glass for each person and it's perfectly accepted it's something that's looked at like oh this makes sense for the business environment I want cannabis to be like that too. Why can't after a business deal, they take out a joint and say, you know what, let's take a couple puffs of this just to celebrate our, our you know, whatever business uh, decision or, or, you know, plan or, or agreement we've come to. I feel like when it reaches that level, then then we'll be talking. I mean, it's still, you know, it, it, it's pop culture. So of course right. it's accepted, but yeah. I want it to go even higher, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel you on that. I mean, I have to tell you that in Colorado, um, when I was in Colorado, um, I tell you, we were we we puffed before we went into the meeting, and then we puffed mm -hmm. after the meeting, especially when it was a successful meeting. So to mm -hmm. have that, you know, um, feeling in different states, I mean, that would that would feel so much better than now because you know we're traveling and we do a lot of traveling, right? We're traveling, we have to be um, aware of that state's laws and the fact mm -hmm. that we can't do it. So I'm with you on that. I, I believe that making it mainstream is is where we are really going collectively, you know, as an industry. So what barriers are you finding the most difficult to navigate um, in the New Jersey market? Uh, I'll let you uh, start to tackle that uh, first, Corey. I mean, to me, the, the only barriers or challenges that we're facing now is um, the state government because applications haven't even gone out for recreational dispensaries yet. They haven't even, they haven't thrown up all the regulations and guidelines surrounding it. So we don't even know um, 
what's going to be allowed and what's not going to be allowed at this point. All we know is that recreational dispensaries will be open soon in New Jersey and it's now legal to possess up to six ounces. Um, with that said, it's kind of hard when we're trying to do capital runs or anything to um, to get started because everybody's saying, you guys are way too soon. It's too early. You know, we got to wait for the laws to finalize and we got to wait for the regulations to come out. So those are the challenges that we face. We're relatively, um, it's relatively preliminary in a lot of aspects, but we want a turnkey process. So the way we envisioned it was, have everything already in place. Once the application goes through, we can then begin um, operating mm -hmm. uh, without without much of a delay in the, in between. So that reminds me of a conversation that I had earlier this morning. You know, you you stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Exactly. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, really, because at the end of the day, let's say you open up a McDonald's, you open up a McDonald's, you don't train your employees at the grand opening, right? You train them before the grand opening, right? Um, so that when you have the grand opening, your employees are trained and they have customer service down packed, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm with you 100%. I believe that having that, that foundation and having the vision and the plan, knowing directly where you're going um, is going to allow you to really um, um, decrease your risk, but, right? But at the same time, it's going to allow you an opportunity to um, capitalize on those opportunities as they happen. So that brings me to my next question. So I hear that, that the library. And I'm not sorry. to cut you off, Ms. Adams, I apologize, but I just wanted to say we, we have a model of beginning with the end in mind. I believe it was Stephen Covey, but whenever we embark on things, we map it out from start to finish. You know, we already had a business plan before we even got to the point of actually thinking about, okay, who are we going to pitch it to? You know what I mean? So we always try to try to tackle um, anything that we can foresee up front so that once we get rolling, we already know what's ahead of us whether it's through research and development, whether it's from, you know, just having those conversations and really um, honing in on, well, what was successful? What might have worked in Colorado or California so we can kind of alleviate some of those issues and not have to deal with those things, learn through other people and their mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Alexis, this reminds us of our conversation this morning, right? You have to be able to see the end at the beginning. And you absolutely do. And being able to map that out and put it in writing, I believe that those words actually take flight, right? When you put the action to it, they take flight and it, they become life. And so that brings me to my next question. So I hear that the library is raising capital. How is that going? <laughs> Well, we just started last week, believe it or not. <laughs> so it's really, really early in the game. We are raising capital. We have interest expressed. Um, a few people have reached out to us. We have not uh, accepted any funds at this point. We are weighing our options. We know that we have something that's solid. And we know that we have a promising uh, dispensary and brand. So we're not rushing and we're not settling at this point. Uh, Charles, you want to add to that? Yeah, and I've had, um, like, I try to uh, be as discreet as possible uh, when, when talking about even uh, opening up the dispensary uh, for many reasons. One, I believe uh, in energy, and I want to make sure that there's only positive energy that's being directed at this, you know, because, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to come negative at all, but some people, I feel like when people know you and, and, and they, they, they've known you for a while, they want to kind of keep you in a particular paradigm. 
And, and when you try to break out of that, you know, subconsciously, they're trying to pull you back into it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I literally try to be as discreet as possible with who I talk to. But I have, I do have uh, a couple people um, who I have confided in, just in, you know, in, in general about opening up a dispensary. And, they, and they've all uh, uh, said they would love to invest into, uh, you know, what I was doing. So that there's more for me right now, it's more personal uh, uh, acquaintances that, that I've looked into for investment as opposed to, the uh the mainstream you know because like Corey said we did just really start diving into it like a week ago specifically because you know for some reason i don't know why new jersey is moving at a snail's pace with everything and you know and and of course i wanted to speed up because of my own personal interests and what i'm trying to accomplish but at the same time you know seeing how other states roll this out it's like like oh well uh, sometimes i'm just like ah we need to just follow the model uh, of a lot of these Midwest to Western states and what they did. And it's just, I feel like, you know, don't reinvent the wheel or don't create the wheel, just reinvent it, you know? And I feel like we're really trying to create the wheel right now and it's slowing down the legal aspect of, of you know, the uh, cannabis. Um, well, I tell you, I'm wishing you the best in New Jersey, um, the best in your journey, in your journey with the, the library. Um, but I have Thank a question you. that, um, I wanted to ask you, you, your name was the Bud Library. Is there a reason you changed it to the library? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Should I uh, answer that question? No, you go ahead, Charles. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, one, um, I didn't know whether or not, or and I, I don't want to say I, we didn't know whether or not uh, there may be some sort of law in, in whatever municipality that we choose to be in that will restrict kind of, you know, uh, speaking specifically about cannabis in the, in the actual business name. So that was like one of the driving factors. But it also, you know, it kind of adds some mystique to it. You know, when you just go to the library, it's like, oh, I'm going to the library, like the library, like you get some books, like, nah, you know. So so <laughs> I, I, it, it was twofold in, in that way, you know. But um, I, and I also, I feel like it makes it just a little more mature too on top of it. Because, you know, like I said, you know, I want to make it mature and mainstream. And, and even though I completely like the Bud Library, I feel like yeah. the library is I, just- I, I like yeah. the Bud Library too. Um, I think, you know, with the library, I'm wondering if um, if a child could not mistake that as the uh, library. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and it's kind of interesting you would say that because um, I was joking with my wife. And I was like, yeah, you know, parents are going to be telling their kids they're going to the library a lot, you know. <laughs> like, like, can I come? Like, no, you can't tell me this, this is the adult is library. library. <laughs> There's a difference between the library and a library. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. The, 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 well, the bud is important, you know. <laughs> I, thought it was, I just thought it was more marketable to take the bud off, to be honest. You know, okay. I just, uh, being, yeah. as, being as though, you know, Charles threw that out there, like, we don't know what if they're going to allow us to have that in the title. And we loved the name at first, but it was just getting back to business. It has nothing to do with our emotional attachments to things. We want to do what works. <laughs> we want to do what's effective. And, and that's the bottom line. So yeah. I think it oh. sounds sophisticated. I know, right? It does sound very sophisticated, right? <laughs> I, 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 could just, I, could just, I could just see my... Um, 
my granddaughter saying, hey, um, um, you know, you're going to the library or a library. <laughs> she is so clever. Like, she is so clever. She's so up on everything for real. Well, listen, how can investors and other um, people who may be interested in investing in you, how can they reach out to you? I'll let you take this one, Corey. Uh, well, we have a newly created Instagram page, which is at the library NJ for New Jersey. So it's very simple. We just started that a few weeks ago. Um, you can feel free to reach us through. I don't know if you guys post um, after the interviews, but my email address, my telephone number, I'll take it however we can get it at this point. Um, we're not opposed to cold calls or anything like that. So feel free to reach out to us directly. Uh, via email or telephone, and in my last. And, and what's your phone number? It's mine is nine zero eight four six eight six four five eight. Fantastic, Charles. You can go ahead. Uh, yeah, and, and my my number is nine seven three nine five one eight seven five nine. Awesome, and that is on um, the gram at. Um, the Library NJ, am I correct? At correct. The Library NJ. Well, mm -hmm. gentlemen, we want to thank you all for joining us today. Looking forward to watching you and your progress and seeing where you're going. I did receive your, your information, so I, too, am going to be looking at your information as well and getting back to you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being on the Minority Report. You guys, we will be right back right after these messages. My name is Monica Gray. My name is Sharon Data G. Kimberly Cargile. Hi, my name is Chris Crane. Even though I've been a member of the National Cannabis Industry Association for the last decade, this year I moved up my support and my membership to the Evergreen tier. With the help of NCIA and being an Evergreen member, we believe that we could push this agenda forward. Uh, the Evergreen membership gives NCIA the funds that uh, to be effective on Capitol Hill. Banking's always been my number one issue. Um, payment processing has always been a huge issue, cash payments. But now that the cell phone companies are getting involved. We need to make sure that we get minorities and African-Americans, people that have been affected by the war on drugs, indigenous people, brown and black people holistically needs to be a part of this conversation. It is so amazing to have a group like NCIA that has my back. The next two years are arguably the best opportunity that we've ever had to achieve federal legalization in Washington, D.C., and it's absolutely critical that NCIA has the resources necessary to achieve these goals. Let's get you in front of these senators that don't know what it's like. And as the best of the best, and we want to make sure we have we have a voice as cannabis legalization is moving forward. Government relations and advocacy directly affect the bottom line. Now is the time for organizations and companies like mine to step up, become Evergreen members, and make sure that we can achieve our goals in the next two years really getting to the table as a small business member to making sure that the small business member, um, small business owner gets a voice at this policy table. Part ensuring a smooth transition into federal legalization and regulation for our legacy industry here in California. Realizing that you, no one's going to fight for you like you can fight for yourself, I decided to take um, NCIA's support 
in joining this tier of focusing on policy. We need to come together and push for this agenda. It is critical that our industry steps up and engages. We need to make sure that our voices are heard. We have the support of NCIA by joining the Evergreen tier as our lobbying firm for us, the little people. Cannabis business owners, entrepreneurs that really see the bigger picture to say, let's push this agenda forward. We can't do this without you. It is so difficult to run a business and be a small business owner in this space, in this cannabis space. I encourage you to join me and become an Evergreen member today. We need your help. Join the Evergreen tier and fight. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Um, just really excited. Have some announcements that we want to make before we wrap it all up. Um, the mission of the DEI committee or the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee is to educate, advocate, engage, and empower the community of cannabis and its members by cultivating um, partnerships with other nonprofit organizations with similar goals, providing resources that create and sustains an environment that is not only inclusive, but equitable and diverse. We are committed to building a culture that respects our members and celebrates their contributions as we work together to strengthen all communities in the cannabis industry. I want to especially thank our um, current DEI program sponsors, Tahoe Wellness Center and Copper State Farms. And don't forget you guys that the NCIA's webinar series and its um, Midwest Cannabis Conference takes place September 22nd and 23rd in Detroit, Michigan. For more information, go to MidwestCannabisBusinessConference.com. And then our Eastern Cannabis Business Conference takes place December 7th and 8th in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, to get more information about that or to get registered, go to easterncannabisbusinessconference.com. And then finally, our Cannabis Business Summit takes place December 15th through the 17th in San Francisco, California. For more information, go to cannabisbusinesssummit.com. We'd like to thank um, our co-hosts, Alexis Olive of Olive View Media, along with our special guest, Corey Dishman and also Charles Penn of the Library from New Jersey. Thank y'all so much for joining us. And don't forget everybody to download the NCIA's mobile app. And if you have someone that you believe that we should interview right here on the Cannabis Minority Report, hit us up at info at Until then, peace, love, and hippie stuff. NCIA's Cannabis Minority Report is a product of the National Cannabis Industry Association and NCIA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. We are hosted every week by Khadijah Adams. Our executive producers are Aaron Smith and Vince Chandler. We are directed by Vince Chandler and produced by Bethany Moore and Alexis Olive. Please, please, please find out everything you can about the growing and equitable cannabis industry at thecannabisindustry.org.